she always had a plan. She always did what what she was supposed to do. Um, she worked really hard. She was really um, a good friend. She was um, a month away from graduating from CSUB, Cal State, with her psychology uh, degree. She um, worked for Easter Seals with autistic children. Um, I have three um, autistic grandchildren, so I feel like um, her job was always um, just a given. It's just hard because Demi had such a bright future. And like I said, you know, you talk to her friends and and she, uh, they struggle and they miss her. And, and uh, she just was the daughter that everybody, you know, you want. You, you want your daughter to go to college. You want your daughter to be educated. You want your daughter to be smart. You want your daughter to know the Lord. You want her to be, you know, everything. And she did everything and she accomplished everything. You know, I walked the stage for her and uh, no mother should have to walk the stage. That's Tracy Dominguez talking about her daughter, Demi, who died from preeclampsia at the age of 23 in 2019. Demi was pregnant at the time, so Tracy lost both her daughter and her grandson, Malachi. Uh, it was a week before her baby shower when she started having some symptoms that, you know, she didn't feel right, you know. Uh, it was her first pregnancy. Ever since 2019, Tracy's been fighting to prevent other families from the loss she experienced and continues to live with. That's because over the course of several days starting on April 15th, 2019, Demi's medical care staff, including two OBGYNs, failed to recognize the signs of her preeclampsia and sent her home instead. She came and she just started you know, telling me she didn't feel good and um, something's wrong, mom, I don't feel good, I don't know. And uh, my sister, you know, was here and she goes, well, you know, we should check her blood pressure. Well, she actually called her doctor that morning and he couldn't get her in. So she came over here to my house and uh, I could tell she was have that panic look on her face. My sister took her blood pressure and she was like, it's high, you know, so we should, um, she needs to go to get help. So we didn't like, of course, the doctor couldn't get her in. So then we went to the local um, labor and delivery hospital hospital here that she was registered mercy southwest and uh she walked up and at the desk was a bunch of nurses and people working and uh, she started proceeded to say her symptoms of course and that is swelling shortness of breath vision issues like just her vision wasn't right you know some people have it more um, her blood pressure protein in the urine and uh, the one man in scrubs you know, he stepped out and said, well, what did you eat today? And she said, well, I had Mexican food this morning. And he goes, well, that's why you're, you're swollen, because you ate Mexican food. And at that point, she kind of like felt like she did something wrong. At Mercy Hospital Southwest in Bakersfield, California, the medical staff found Demi's blood pressure to be high. There was also protein in her urine. These, combined with swelling in the limbs, are telltale signs of preeclampsia, a high blood pressure disorder during pregnancy, usually after the 20th week or after giving birth. The Mayo Clinic says it may be caused by blood circulation issues in the placenta. According to Tracy, a nurse told Demi her blood pressure actually went up after giving her medication, prompting the hospital to keep her overnight. 
They waited for about two and a half hours until they got a new room. After nurses hooked her up to a monitoring machine, Tracy said, Nobody else came in, nobody seen her, and they just put the you know TV lower and everything like that. Nurses then told Tracy that Demi needed to relax and instructed her to come back in the morning. Tracy went home, but something strange happened. Before I knew it, Demi was standing at my bedroom door. I'm like, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to, you know, I'm supposed to go pick you up. Demi had been given medication, but then sent home for bed rest. You know, they didn't do any follow, any absolutely no protocol for for hypertension. The hospital did nothing. We had the state come in and do an investigation after the fact that she passed. No protocols were followed. No doctor visit. She left with an undiagnosis. They didn't check for edema. They didn't check her heart every six hours. They didn't check anything. Less than two days later after returning home from the hospital, Demi Dominguez died after suffering a seizure in her sleep. She was 23 years old. Doctors delivered her son, Malachi, by C-section. He weighed five pounds but was later declared brain dead and died too. Two OBGYNs treated Demi during her last hospital stay, Dr. Arthur Park and Dr. Hans Yu. Dr. Park was the one who blamed Demi's swelling on the sodium in the Mexican food she recently ate. According to Bakersfield Now, Dr. Park then prescribed her labetalol to lower her blood pressure. Dr. Yu was Demi's main OBGYN, and when she saw him for a checkup, her blood pressure was still high. Dr. Yu, though, told her to keep taking the medication and sent her home, where she died two days later. After the death of her daughter and grandson, Tracy's grief led her to patient advocacy. Part of her efforts have been focused on licensure for physicians. In California, all MD doctors must renew their license every two years with the Medical Board of California in order to treat patients, prescribe medication, perform surgeries, and practice medicine. The Medical Board can revoke this license. On a case-by-case basis, the board is tasked with conducting their own investigation separate from official legal routes. Following an investigation, they may revoke a license for things like felony or misdemeanor convictions, substance abuse, or malpractice and negligence. The last of these is especially relevant to Demi's story. Well, he didn't introduce himself, but at that time, The doctor that was on call was a repeat offender here in Bakersfield for 25 years. In September 2016, three years before Demi's death, Dr. Park was the on-call OBGYN at what's now Adventist Health Bakersfield Hospital. His patient, Celeste Ortiz, had just given birth to a healthy baby girl, However, Dr. Park rushed the extraction of Celeste's placenta and forcibly removed it with forceps and his hands, tearing her uterus and cervix in the process. She began to hemorrhage and suffer blood loss, but despite a nurse's insistence, Park failed to intervene. Celeste Ortiz later died from cardiac arrest brought on by the hemorrhaging. She too was 23 years old and left behind three children, one of which was the daughter she had just given birth to and whom she would never get to meet. The state medical board later placed Arthur Park on probation, banning him from working in a hospital setting, practicing obstetrics, or performing surgery. But this was not his first medical probation. 
He served a three-year probation in 2000, after the deaths of two babies he had just delivered in 1996 and 7. He was accused of negligence again in 2019, after Celeste, Demi, and Malachi's deaths. His third accusation of gross negligence came in 2021. Tracy Dominguez believes the state board did not go far enough in their punishment. Probation was not sufficient, she says, and they should have revoked his license long ago. Here's Tracy talking about the board's response to the death of Celeste Ortiz. I feel like they're responsible. They failed this family because they told this family that the doctor was going to go to court. They were going to go to the um, attorney's general. They were going to take his license. It was that, and that was all lie. They gave him probation. Okay, so then when my case comes up, they do the exact same thing to me. They lied to me. The AGs lied. It's all just um, smoke screens. The Medical Board of California has defended their actions, believing that, quote, this probation is designed to protect the public and to also address Dr. Park's deficiencies to improve his practice through educational courses and strict evaluations. They also argued, after his first probation in 2000, that removing Park as an OBGYN from the Bakersfield area would, quote, adversely impact the availability of OBGYN services to Medi-Cal patients. In Bakersfield right now, we are, we are hurting. There's a crisis here. My other daughter, Taylor, she went to every appointment and drove to Santa Barbara, to the cottage hospital. And she received totally different care. And that tells you, okay, was it insurance? Was it bad doctors? Was it they just didn't care? It's it's all of it here in Bakersfield. Because Demi was on Medi-Cal, you know, uh, we had just lost her father in 2017, you know, so we were struggling, you know. So she was on Medi-Cal. So do they not care about patients that are on Medi-Cal, especially women of color? For his part, Arthur Park alleges that the hospital Celeste Ortiz died at falsified medical records that were used to support negligence accusations against him in retaliation for his role as a witness in a 1990s workers' comp lawsuit against the hospital, who denies his claims. He eventually surrendered his license in 2021 and can no longer practice medicine in the state of California. I cry over it. I cry over it because it was so preventable for my daughter and my grandson. Since the founding of the Medical Board of California in 1876, it has grown to become a 15-person panel made up of eight physicians and seven members of the public, giving doctors a majority. Though it's tasked with protecting patients by licensing and disciplining doctors, a 2021 investigation by the LA Times found that California's medical board fails to issue proper punishments, like revoking licenses, suspension, or even issuing probations in accordance with guidelines. When it comes to imposing serious disciplinary action, Public Citizen, an affordable healthcare advocacy group, ranked California's medical board 33rd in the country. A spokesperson for the board told the LA Times that if their punishments are too harsh or if they fail to consider a doctor's efforts to correct their wrongs, the board is at risk for long and expensive court challenges. And further expenses are not something they can afford. 
The Medical Board of California has long said that they no longer have the funds to operate, repay their loans, establish a three-month reserve, and to properly investigate patients' claims. In fact, the federal government had to use $18 million in loans to backfill the board's $79 million budget. New legislation seeks to change that. The Medical Board of California gets most of their funding from the nearly 120,000 physicians who have to pay license renewal fees each year. Other highly educated licensed professionals pay similar fees, like lawyers who pay $510 each year and dentists who pay $668 every two years. For physicians in California, the two-year license renewal fee currently sits at $863. Lawmakers originally wanted to increase that fee over 50% to $1,350, but settled for $1,255. This increase amounts to less than $20 per month. Here's Tracy. Now, you know and I know, we pay car insurance way more than that. And we're not doctors. And the medical board, you know, needs the, uh, the increase because they need to investigate and they need to have a board to help protect patients. But it's been a very, very hard fight because doctors are protected by doctors. As Tracy alluded to, the fee increase has been heavily opposed by the California Medical Association, or CMA, which lobbies on behalf of nearly 50,000 physicians in the state of California. Remember how in November 2020, Governor Gavin Newsom was criticized for flouting the COVID-19 safety guidelines he put in place after he was caught eating indoors at a Napa Valley restaurant? Among his dinner guests that evening, were Dustin Corcoran and Janice Norman, the CEO and top lobbyist, respectively, of the California Medical Association. The CMA says that the increased renewal fees would be more than double of the other state medical board for osteopathic doctors and would also come at a time when physicians are still waiting months for their licenses to be processed. KFF Health News reports that the CMA previously defeated legislation in 2021 to increase the state board's funds and to strengthen the board's powers in investigating complaints. Now, the CMA has also fought a new bill, SB 815, arguing, quote, it would have vast negative impacts on the practice of medicine and healthcare delivery in California. It's, it's, it's a given. The CMA is very powerful. They lobby against it. Um, I don't know what would make any of them truly understand it unless they experience death of a loved one in their own family. SB 815 was proposed by State Senator Richard Roth, a Democrat from Riverside. It was passed by the California Assembly and Senate on September 14, 2023. Governor Newsom is expected to sign it. Here are some of its provisions. SB 815 increases physicians' license renewal fees from $863 to first $1,151 and then to $1,255. It would also establish the Complainant Liaison Unit, which is tasked with helping the public navigate the complaint review and enforcement process. The law also requires the board's investigators to interview patients and their families before closing a complaint. It would also allow victim impact statements to be heard before the board before voting on a disciplinary case. 
Here's Tracy's thoughts on the matter. When I when they subpoenaed me, I could have um, gave an impact statement. And I could have said everything. And I had proof from the state of California that this doctor didn't do anything, that she left with no diagnosis. That might have made a difference in him getting his license taken away for good so he can't harm anybody. Though these major victories are likely to be signed into law, there are a couple of significant points left out. For instance, increasing the number of non-physicians on the medical board so that it would have a public member majority. Another left-out provision would have lowered the standard of proof used to determine if doctors deserve disciplinary action, like probation, suspension, or license revocation. Currently, the LA Times explains, the board has to have, quote, clear and convincing proof to a reasonable certainty that those disciplinary actions are warranted. This is lower than the beyond reasonable doubt standard we're familiar with for criminal trials, but it's higher than the bar used for civil cases, also known as a preponderance of evidence, a greater than 50% likelihood of a claim being true. This preponderance of evidence standard is used in 41 other states and U.S. territories for their medical boards. Patient advocates argue that adopting this preponderance standard would have accelerated the enforcement process against doctors in California. Both of those provisions were heavily opposed by the California Medical Association and ultimately did not make it into the final bill. Despite these concessions, Senator Roth said the bill included historic reforms, some of which had been requested by advocates for 10-plus years, and that overall the bill empowers patients and gives them a stronger voice. Still, Tracy told me about her frustrations at legislators' acquiescence in letting those provisions go. We are going to have more deaths and more babies dying and families losing loved ones because basically he didn't fight for us to keep it to lower the burden of proof to protect families. Basically, he just kind of, I say, buckled at the knees of the hired power up there. And uh, I've talked to... Senator Roth, myself, many times. It's basically in his hands if he wants to fight. And he's, he continues to make changes to me that are not going to protect families. If Governor Newsom signs the bill as expected, it will go into effect on January 1st, 2024. This past May was California's first Latina Maternal Health Awareness Month. Tracy told me about her hopes for this designation, including her wishes that Santa Barbara joins in to honor these mothers. So I'm hoping, you know, to get it out there, you know, for that all through California, that the, the Latina women of color could come together and we could honor the mothers who have lost their lives and who never got a voice. I was lucky to get one of them, who's actually Demi's doctor, I was actually lucky enough just to get a couple of words out of her, and she said we failed her. And, you know, I cried all the way home. Cried all the way home because, you know, just say it and let's make a change. Let's make a change all together. Let's all, you know, what is going on and why are we losing mothers? Why is the board allowing dangerous doctors? You know, what do we need to do to make this right for everyone to have safe care and able to do a complaint against a doctor and not have to go through the valley of death through it to be heard. Advocate for your loved ones. Ask questions. Don't let them go alone. 
and get a second opinion. Um, if something doesn't feel right, you stay there. You don't listen to them. If they don't want to take you serious, you go to another hospital until somebody listens to you and just keep advocating. And, and I hope her story, you know, continues to grow because, like I said, it's some young girl or somebody in their family might have those same symptoms that she was having. I mean, I, sometimes I'm ask, I ask myself, why do I even do it? I mean, really? Does anybody care? And then I say no because I don't want another mother to feel what I've gone through. I don't want another young mother to die at 23 because there's a bad doctor here that nobody did anything about. That was Tracy Dominguez. You can keep up with her efforts on social media, like on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at Justice for Demi Baby Malachi. Thank you for listening. With KCSB News, I'm Joyce Chi.